welcome to special coverage of the Magic World Championships 2017 in Boston. I'm your host, Sam Tang, and you're listening to Kitchen Table Magic, presented by Hipsters of the Coast, Card Kingdom, and Paragon City Games. The Magic World Championships 2017 is going on right now in Boston. 24 of the world's best competitors are battling it out right now, and in this episode, I'll be bringing you clips from my interviews with Jerry Thompson, Donald Smith Jr., Christian Calcano, and Paolo Vitor Domitorosa. You'll get to listen how they got started playing Magic, their early experiences on the Pro Tour, and their journey on how they arrived at Worlds this weekend. My interview with Jerry Thompson aired Season 1, Episode 10. My interviews with Donald, Christian, and Paolo are airing later in Season 3. Best of luck to all the competitors at Worlds this weekend. And listeners, be sure to share your words of support through social media for our competitors. I hope you enjoy my interview with Jerry Thompson, Donald Smith Jr., Christian Calcano, and Paolo Vitor Domitorosa. Jerry, I just wanted to start from the beginning. Where did you grow up and when did you start playing Magic? So I was born in a smallish town called Elk River. It's 45 minutes north of the Twin Cities in Minnesota. Basically, like when I started working when I was a kid, I, I had this coworker who was in my grade and we were trying to find some common ground and we would just name things back and forth. And eventually he was like, oh, I play Magic Gathering. And I was like, hey, I have some of those cards. I never actually had anyone to play with, but they looked cool. So I bought a couple of booster packs, you know, and they just sat in like a shoebox under my bed. And then he just taught me to play. He, he built me a deck. He was like, he was kind of my mentor. He taught me about things like card advantage. He took me to my first tournament and he is very much responsible for me playing Magic at all. Jerry, can you tell us about your first Pro Tour qualification? I lived in Minnesota, and basically, like, right from the start, I was trying to play in tournaments. Like, once my friends told me that there were tournaments, because I just didn't know, like, I, I didn't have an internet connection or computer or anything, and he was like, hey, we should go to a tournament. I was like, no way, that sounds great. And then I heard about, like, the Pro Tour and PTQs and stuff like that, and we, we just started going to them. And... The first one I won was actually a team tournament in Lincoln, Nebraska. I was pushing like all the random kids I met playing Magic, like to go to these PTQs with me and stuff. There weren't a lot of people like in my town that played Magic. There was not a store in my town. Like if I wanted to play FNM, I had to drive like forty-five minutes. Uh huh. It was kind of tough, but I did get to meet a lot, a lot of cool, smart people. And so I teamed with a kid who was a little bit younger than me, and then a guy who was a little bit older than me, and was the guy that gave me rides most places. And we go to this PTQ in Nebraska. That's like six hours away. <laughs> yeah, back then we were we were willing to drive anything that was like eight to ten hours. You know, wow. like we just had the fire. We wanted to play some magic. We wanted to try and qualify. Yeah, we just uh, kind of like crushed this team seal tournament, and it was really cool. And in the finals, I played against Scott Liff, who is like he, he took a break for a while, but now he's back and like he's a gold level pro. And it's like I've I've just known him for fifteen years because of that PPQ. So cool. Yeah, we qualified for a pro tour in Boston. We got to stay at Tim's uncle's house because his family is from there. So that was awesome. You know, he gets like this mini vacation where he gets to visit his family. And then we, we play in the pro tour. We, we make day two, but uh, we basically like lost all of our rounds after that. But it was still cool to like day two, your first pro tour, you know. Uh, they used to have more PTQs on Sundays at Pro Tours, and I won the PTQ that was on Sundays at Pro Tours, so I just like immediately qualified for the next Pro Tour. That is so cool. Um, which Pro Tour was it? You said it was in Boston? Like, what year or what set was it? Uh, I think it was 2002. It was full Odyssey Block, Team Limited. 
That's amazing. Yeah. Like you're like you're you definitely picked up the game. You definitely had a knack for the game. Like that is amazing. Well, like I said, I had a really good teacher. Like he, he my, my friend Adam, who got me into the game, had already played for quite a while. I don't I honestly don't even know when he started, but he was very well read. He was checking out like the old websites and looking at deck lists and like reading strategy articles and stuff. Like he was as immersed in the game as I became. Yeah. And we were both like pretty excited to just like play tournaments and, you know, see what we could do and stuff and we we're always trying like new decks and like doing a lot of play testing and stuff like that. So he, he just caught me up to speed really quickly because I, I feel like without him, I would have maybe been able to get to the place where I'm at, but it would have taken me much longer. And then also, right when Odyssey came out was when I started playing Magic Online. And I started doing a bunch of drafting and playing Constructed like once I had enough tickets to buy a, a complete deck and stuff. So between just like playing a lot locally, having really good friends, consuming a lot of content, reading a lot of articles, and playing a lot of Magic Online, I qualified maybe like a year and a half after my first tournament, which is a, a pretty short turnaround, I think. Was there a distinct moment when you felt like you had leveled up? Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know. I definitely remember going to tournaments and just getting crushed and going home and being like, I don't want this to happen again. You know, like, the things that happened were within my control. Like, maybe if my deck was a little bit differently, like, I definitely could have beat this guy. Or, like, I made this mistake, which cost me this match against this guy. And all those things were, like, learning devices for me. And I, I just made sure to basically never make the same mistake twice. Actually, I can't even remember, like, you know, like, winning my first tournament or anything like that. Like, that, those moments don't stand out to me. But, like, obviously, there had to be a first one, right? Right. But, yeah, I, I, I can't ever remember feeling like, oh, like, this is it. You know, maybe maybe I have a shot. Maybe maybe I guess it could have been, like, when I copied in my first PDQ. That was at the end of Invasion Block Constructed, and I lost around one of the tournaments, but I, I felt like my deck was pretty good, and, you know, I won a bunch of rounds in a row, ended up being able to draw into the top eight, and uh, I guess the funny thing about that was, like, going into these tournaments, my goal was always to make the top eight. Uh-huh. Not to win, because winning just felt, like, kind of out of my reach. But I was like, I'm probably good enough to make top eight. And back then, the judge just, like, came over with my prize. Like, everyone in top eight got a sealed booster box. So they sent down my booster box, and you got, like, a nice little pin that says, like, P2 top eight. And they had that on top of the box. And all I was thinking about was just, like, cracking the pack from the way home. You know? I, I was just, like, not even involved in the tournament anymore at that point. I made a, a big series of mistakes. I played a meddling mage, named a card that wasn't even in my opponent's deck, and just, like, lost very quickly. And maybe that was it. Maybe it was, like, the turning point for me where not satisfied with only making top eight anymore. Because at that point, it was pretty clear that I could make top eight, but I was like, well, I'm pretty sure if I can top eight, I can also win. So let's try doing that. You interned for Wizards for a little bit. What was that like? Uh, it, it was good. But the the downside was always I, I could not play competitive magic anymore. Oh. Because the, the Wizards employees are not allowed to play in like Grand Prix and Pro Tour and stuff, which makes sense because typically they've had a, a hand in like developing the sets and they've play tested with these cards like months before everyone else. So it would just be unfair for you to have a Pro Tour a couple of weeks after the set comes out and have this person who has like known about these cards for the last two years, right? Yeah. That all makes sense. But and for me, I thought I thought I could handle it. For me, I thought it was like, oh, you know, if my time and match is kind of done, like, let's try something else. I always wanted to work on the game or at least see what it was like. And I certainly don't regret any part of it. Uh, I was surrounded by very smart people. I learned a bunch of stuff. 
I actually think that being in Wizards R&D, like, helps me be a better Magic player, too. And it came time to, like, renew my contract, and I, I just missed playing Magic. It, it was just, like, such a big part of my identity that during those six months, while they were great, I would also just, like, sit at home and just not know what to do with them. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was pretty much it. I mean, I, I also feel like if there does come another point in my career where I'm like, okay, you know, I'm kind of burned out, I'm playing tournaments or whatever, like, I, I feel like maybe I could go back there. You know, like, the, that door seems like it is open. If, if my choice was you can leave, but you can never come back, you know, I don't know what I would have done. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of greedy. I feel like I, I could probably just do both. So <laughs> it, it's one of those things where, like, you know, there's there's option A, there's option B, and someone's like, you know, if you, if you flip a coin to decide which one you're going to do, you know, like, once the, the coin is in the air, you know what you're rooting for. Right. Yeah, for for me, it was just like, at that point, I knew very much that, like, right now is, like, I want to be playing back. Like, I am, I'm actually not done with that. I thought I was, but I was wrong. And, you know, that's, that's just a thing that happens, and that was fine. It just made it so, like, you know, I had picked up and moved across the country and stuff. But it's like, hey, that's fixable. I just moved back. So now I'm back on the East Coast and basically just playing Magic every weekend, doing the same stuff I used to do like 15 years ago, driving eight hours to tournaments occasionally. So yeah, I, I knew what I wanted to do and I have not been unhappy with my decision to leave. And hopefully at some point I will get to go back. There is a concept in like meta learning that when you teach somebody else, you learn that particular subject more deeply. Yeah, that's really cool. Like, teaching is one of the things, I think, that has made me appreciate Magic even more. Like, way back when I started playing in these tournaments, like, you couldn't make a living off of just playing Magic. The idea of that was just ludicrous. Eventually, it got to the point where, you know, I was like, oh, I want some extra income, so I'll start writing. And then it just got to the point where it's like, oh, well, I can just do this and nothing else, and that's awesome. Well, like, before that, it was just like, you know, I, I was super selfish, like, I was young. I, I think that's, like, kind of understandable. It was just like, you know, I'm all in it for me, basically. And how can I help me succeed? And then it got to a point where I was like, oh, I have these awesome friends that I met playing Magic. Like, how can I help them succeed? You know, maybe we should work together. Maybe I can teach them something or they can teach me something. And then it just got to the point where the writing was such a big part of what I was doing in Magic. And, you know, people were starting to come up to me in tournaments and say that they like my stuff or, like, they won a tournament because, like, my article helped them or whatever. It's just like, oh, this is awesome. Like, this is way better than just me winning a tournament by myself, you know? I, I think, like, that is my main motivator to, like, continue playing Magic at this point is just, like, teach and help people. Hey everyone, thanks for joining me on Kitchen Table Magic. I'm your host, Sam Tang, and today I'm here with the very platinum Donald Smith. Donald, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm in the middle of a road trip, so just enjoying my time before Worlds prep. That's awesome. Yeah, I saw on Twitter that you were like traveling through a whole bunch of different states. Yeah, I went from uh, started in Louisiana, traveled through Texas, Denver, Colorado, and then made a trip to Salt Lake City, which like brought me through Wyoming. Wow, that's a lot of driving, dude. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not too bad because it's actually like really cool. I didn't even realize it till uh, pretty soon before the trip. But I actually had a friend in Dallas, Denver, and in Salt Lake that I all met through Magic. So I, it's like a really good vacation that I'm making out of it. Sweet, sweet. Yeah. So you're locked for platinum. You're just ready to compete at Worlds. Yep. So just taking a breather before that. 
That's awesome. Well, you know what? The listening audience is going to want to hear all about that and your journey. But like all things, I want to start off at the beginning. Donald, where did you grow up and how did you find magic? So I grew up in a very small town called Cut Off, Louisiana. Huh. Uh, two separate words. Um, but I started magic much later in 2014 when I moved to Lafayette, a decent-sized city in Louisiana. At college, I basically got there, didn't have any friends, saw some uh, guys play magic in a community room in the dorms. I noticed one was my roommate, so I joined in and just got hooked ever since. That's amazing. Now, I don't know if I heard you right, but you said you started in 2014? Yeah, right when Theros came out is when I started. It was coincident. I I didn't even know that uh, a new expansion was coming out. I didn't know anything about the game. But uh, yeah, you know, like a few days Theros was going to come out. My friends got really excited. I mean, I was just learning the game, so I didn't realize the timeline of anything. Dude, that is insane. I mean, just to put it into perspective, right now is 2017. So in three short years, you went from zero to hero. Yeah. Dude, that's uh, actually, crazy. My bad. Uh, it was uh, 2013 I started. Oh, 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 another year. Gosh, <laughs> I've been playing Magic for 15 years and uh, <laughs> I am nowhere near Platinum Pro. You know, I'm curious, Donald, to ask, you know, do you remember the first tournament that you played in? Yeah, uh, it was actually a PTQ in December. So I started in October and there was a local PTQ in December. And this was crazy because, you know, I live in Louisiana and not only Louisiana, I live South Louisiana where... I'm an hour away from the Gulf of Mexico. So for whatever reason, that year, there was actually like snow in the city. Yeah, I remember that. It wasn't a lot, but you you add a little ice to the road in Louisiana and everything shuts down. No one knows how to drive in it. So it was this crazy PTQ with like, we had 120 players at it in the small shop in Lafayette. And it was crazy because a lot of people couldn't get in the city. You know, it would have probably been like a 250 person PTQ if there wasn't the snow. So it was my first tournament. I mean, I had like, it wasn't a tier one deck. I was playing green, white aggro at the time. It, it was an okay deck. It was competitive. You know, I never played any tournament. I was just, you know, drawing my hands, keeping my hands, playing spells, beating people down and ended up missing a winning into top eight. Actually, didn't even realize that till a few days later. And I got 12th and I guess that's what put the fire in me. Wow, that's amazing. I, I cannot even imagine you starting in October going into a PTQ in December, sitting down playing your first tournament, just playing spells, emptying your hand, beating face, and then losing a winning in and not even knowing at the moment, like several days later, you're like, wait, I lost my winning in for top eight. That's insane. Yeah, that was a that was a super crazy tournament. It, it was crazy too because Tom Ross was there. He was living in Baton Rouge at the time, and you know everyone was talking about him in their own corners in their own friend group. And I was just you know hanging out, bouncing around between friends, and they're like, "Oh my God, Tom Ross is here!" Like, "Oh, what is he playing?" Yada yada. I was like, "Who's that?" <laughs> he ended up losing in the semifinals to a, a really good friend of mine, actually. Wow, that's crazy. Okay, well, it sounds like that you really hung out with like the right crowd. They really helped you get better as a magic player. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Uh, the first, uh, not tournament, but draft uh, I went to, basically, I just started talking to one guy and he just, he's one of my best friends now. And he just taught me how to play the game inside and out. And the whole community was really supportive. They love having new players and they love teaching them about the game. And, um, you know, they're teaching you, especially in limited things about mana curve, creature count, you know, combat tricks and all of this stuff. And uh, it really just like got me right into the competitive scene. That is so cool. Okay, so when was the first time you got onto the Pro Tour? 
a year later about um i went to my first grand prix and i went to the the second vegas grand prix and this isn't i didn't get to the pro tour but it was my first grand prix as a big deal because i had to fly there and you know between hotel and flights and all that it was like 500 dollars. and i'm in college so like that was my year you know like uh, i saved up for this moment and it was my first grand prix ever and i actually missed my winning into top eight and it was crazy it was modern masters and that was just a whole insane tournament i could spend an hour talking about all the insane games like beating a corn and bane firing someone for 16 wow and all this crazy stuff but i ended up losing a winning into a foil bitter blossom oh. and uh, <laughs> But I actually re-looked at the replay. I actually made a crucial mistake and I could have won. But I uh, didn't mind losing that win in it because it ignited the fire. If I would have won that, I would have got to the Pro Tour, but it would have been the last PT of the season. So instead, you know, I really wanted to have a second chance. So I go to Charlotte two weeks later and it's modern. And I never really played modern before, but uh, I just started grinding burn a lot. And I top eight in my second Grand Prix ever. And that brought me to PT Battle for Zendikar in Milwaukee. And this was really important because as it's the first pro tour in the season, it really let me uh, build up points to get silver, which ended up being very important in my last season. So a lot of the pros that I talked to, they've all played Magic for, you know, 20, 15 years or whatever. And you're like, yeah, I started in 2013, you know, Theros, uh, you know, October, played in a thing, December, missed the winning in. I went to a GP, like, you know, drafted, like, oh, I've never played Modern before. I just played a bunch of Burn and Aggro. And, and it's like, you're recounting this, like, journey you've had. Like, you've been really intentional about, like, okay, I'm not, I'm obviously not going to learn everything in the format. I'm, you're just going to use that 80-20 rule, like Pareto's Law. Like, what is the minimum thing that I can do? Do to create the maximum effort and I can I can I like min max this thing you know yeah exactly uh, like even now you know I know I'm not the best at anything or you know I like for worlds, I, I'm easily bottom three of the competition, but <laughs> I know I know what works for me, and you know I'm just really honing those specific skills. I'm not trying to step out my bounds just yet. You know, every every tournament I'm trying to learn something new and expand my range. But uh, I make sure when it's tournament day, I'm staying within my range, and it's working out obviously. So. Wow, that is so cool. All right, so you know you get to Pro Tour Battle for Zendikar, and then you know you're you're really like planning your points and you're really planning your season so you get silver and then for that previous season it really helps you out in the next season how did it help I got silver, and then this was important for a few reasons. First off, it gave me a Pro Tour invite. That's a big one. Right. But because of the visa issues at Pro Tour Sydney, the silvers all got two Pro Tour invites uh, to this last season. And it didn't end up mattering, but it would have worked out like this. So if I would have just had one invite, you know, I'm in college. This is the point where I actually kind of decided to switch majors. Engineering wasn't working out. I was failing too many classes. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to switch majors, have a fresh start and really buckle down. And there's a pro tour in Nashville in the spring. So I'm going to go to that, not have to spend too much money flying or anything. And, you know, we'll see where it goes from there. Well, now I got two invites and I don't really want to squander those. So there's Hawaii, Dublin, Nashville and Kyoto. Well, Hawaii is like the next cheapest one. And I kind of talked to some people and I actually ended up getting sponsored by a friend and uh, the card shop in Lafayette to, to bring me to Hawaii. Sweet. And so, you know, originally I wasn't planning on going, but now, you know, I'm, 
I'm getting this flight. So I'm going to Hawaii. Just like Battle for Zendikar, I went 11 and 5, which gives you 10 pro points, cues you for another pro tour, and puts you on a really good track to get silver for the year. Basically, I was going to skip two pro tours, but because of the Sydney thing, I got to go to Hawaii. Then 11 5 brought me to Dublin. You know, it paid for a flight. So, of course, I'm going. Right. And then Dublin is when I top eight it, which got me gold immediately. So now I'm just queued for, you know, all the pro tours in the foreseeable future. Hey everyone, thanks for joining me on Kitchen Table Magic. I'm your host, Sam Tang, and today I'm here with the wonderful Christian Calcano. Christian, how's it going? Uh, not bad, Sam. How's it going? Thanks so much for being here on the show, and where are you joining us from? Oh, I'm from New York City, and yeah, I'm at, I'm at home right now. Yeah, that's where I'm at. <laughs> Awesome, awesome. You are all the way on the East Coast, and I am joining you right now in Seattle on the left coast. The West Coast is the best coast. That's what they say. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, you know, for the listening audience, if you don't know Christian, Christian is a prolific thinker, competitor of the game. You may have seen him on like almost every single Grand Prix and every single Pro Tour. And also <laughs> recently, uh, very exciting announcement, Christian, you are playing in the upcoming world. Yeah, that's right. Uh, playing the World Championship in Boston uh, this October. You know, pretty much 24 of the top players in the whole world and pretty excited and lucky to be one of them. And I can't wait to play against everyone. Yeah, that is so cool. Who are you looking forward to jamming games with at Worlds? Um, as in, like, which opponents I'm looking, to fa- I'm looking forward to facing? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can't wait to play against really like just all of them. Like I pretty much know everyone in worlds. I think I, I've played against over half the field for sure already. And, um, you know, like over the years, like on the pro tour and stuff, you know, there's definitely a couple that I haven't played against before, but, um, they're clearly there for a reason. And I know that every single match and every single game is going to be pretty much demanding the best magic I possibly can play. So, you know, I'm just looking forward to playing everyone on because I know that it's going to be like the highest level tournament i've ever played so yeah i'm just uh looking forward to playing the best i can that is super super exciting especially because it is world's the world's best players show up they bring their a game there's a rigorous preparation and i know you're gonna just form a lot of new friendships and have a lot of new memories from that but like all things we want to start at the beginning christian where did you grow up and how did you find magic well i grew up uh in uptown manhattan uh, area called Inwood, which is, it's like, you know, people think of Manhattan, obviously, as like, you know, all these like huge buildings, like infinite people, et cetera, et cetera. But um, the neighborhood that I grew up in is pretty far away from all of that. You know, it's just like predominantly uh, Hispanic, black neighborhood. I had a lot of a lot of good memories there. And then I ended up moving away uh, my early teens and moved down to downtown Manhattan where I live now. And that's kind of around when I started to play Magic. I discovered it and I want to say my sophomore year in high school. Uh-huh. What year was that? 2000, like the very end of 2003 is when I first started to play. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I didn't really like, consider myself a player until the beginning of 2004, which is when Darksteel came out. Mm-hmm. I previously played uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! And that's, that's how I got into just card games in general. 
although I didn't really know what I was doing. But I, <laughs> you know, I just, um, like at first it started just because I watched the show and, you know, cut some cars. And like once I moved downtown and I went to high school, you know, I found out the players, et cetera. Then I found out there was a store nearby. I went to that store, started playing there. And then, you know, I, I would always see the magic crowd, but, you know, I didn't really know much about it. And, you know, I was kind of like, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to play that game or whatever. But, um, one day, just one of the guys who I knew also played magic, I just asked him, I was like, Hey, man, can you like teach me how to play magic? And he was just like, Okay, sure. So that, you know, I started playing, started playing. He like let me borrow some decks, put in a couple FNMs or two. And then, yeah, I just started to fall in love with it. And, you know, it didn't take long for me to start playing competitively. I want to say like mid, mid 2004 is like when I started playing, was when I played my first Grand Prix. Then later that year, I played my first, uh, PTQ. And then after, after I saw like Julian Nauschen win worlds in 2004, I was just like, yeah, like, you know, we're, we're going, we're going all in on this, you know? And that's kind of how that all started. That is amazing. You jumped right into competitive magic, like basically from the get go. Yeah. Like that. I didn't, really i never really played casually and I, I was always like a really competitive person in general like i played sports when i was younger you know the magic crowd they just made me feel more welcome than my time playing baseball so it, you know it didn't take long for once i started playing to you know have that be like my the focus of like my free time so you know i'm, I'm pretty happy that i started to play because i can't imagine like how different my life would be now if i hadn't and it's definitely been quite the ride, you know, 12, 13, yeah, like 13 years now. So, yeah, that is so fascinating that you saw competitive magic so early on. You saw worlds in 2004 and you were basically like locked in. You were like, that's what I'm doing. That's where I'm going. 13 years later, it's 2017. And then now you are basically on your way to Worlds. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because also like the like the winner of that Worlds that I mentioned, the 04, Julian Nauschen, he was 15 or 16 at the time, which is the same age as me. And I was just like, man, like, like you know, that kid's my age. Like, I want to win $50,000 too, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Christian, so you really got into competitive magic kind of early on. Could you tell the listening audience when you experienced like this noticeable level up moment in your life? <laughs> Honestly, like, I don't really know. Like, I don't really know what happened that, uh, you know, just kind of made me like, it, like there, there's no for me, there's no defining moment early, at least early on where I went from you know, trying to qualify for years to just being qualified for every pro tour. Wow. So, uh, I know people, you know, want to know, et cetera. To be honest, like, I feel like, like the, the one time that I actually noticed a real change, I would say more recently than anything, I would say maybe like in the last three years or so, four years, pretty much just when I, like, like yeah, I've been on the pro tour for years at, at that point, but, um, I never really made it to the top. I was, you know, I was qualified for every pro tour and I, you know, I would hit like gold level, et cetera. But it wasn't until like the last few years that, uh, I kind of stopped uh, stressing so much about whether I won or lost. Cause before that kind of just like consumed me really just because I cared so much and I really wanted to win. And, you know, like I would always get upset, like or frustrated whenever, you know, draws didn't go my way or, you know, to put it, I guess, bluntly, like where I get like unlucky. Yeah. You know, in the last couple of years, I've definitely started to kind of change my mentality towards, you know, tilt, basically. And yeah, I just realized like, like getting, getting frustrated or getting upset just definitely got in the way of me being able to play the best magic that I could. And, you know, I stopped stressing all the little things like that. 
And um, even going further than that, like I stopped stressing the the need to to win. Interesting. Like for example, um, you know, on the pro tour, like we're all playing these grand prix and stuff, and pro points are definitely, you know, that's why we go to the grand prix. You know, we want to get these pro points so we can help uh, maintain our pro level, or you know, get get to the highest level, etc. And um, yeah, I would constantly like be stressed out, like going into a grand prix knowing like hey i need this many points to have like you know have a good finish and like something you know and it's like whenever i, I wouldn't get those points or i wouldn't day two or something it would always you know it, it it wouldn't feel good it would it would just be upsetting stressful like it, it stopped becoming fun you know it was more like a job and i wasn't I guess doing my job or I wasn't, you know, I wasn't doing my job well, I guess, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it just, it just felt horrible. And, and that was all tied to like my, you know, my emotional reactions to, you know, things like getting unlucky and, and stuff like that. And honestly, like when you, when you always stress, you know, like results and things like that, it, it's easy to just you know, not play your best and overlook mistakes that you didn't even know you were making. I would say like in the last few years, like, Changing my mentality has definitely elevated my game and got, and I feel like it's the main reason like that. Plus, you know, the guys that I've gotten to, to meet and work with this last year and a half or so, like I would say those are the two pretty much big reasons why I was able to have the season that I just did and why I'm even going to Worlds in the first place. Christian, I even wanted to rewind a little bit more. Do you remember your first Pro Tour qualification? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, uh, I was at home. <laughs> when that happened. Yeah, I was uh, playing in a Magic Online PTQ, and it was extended the extended format. It was maybe like first or second week of uh, January in 2010, and you know I played my one of the decks that I'm known for, which is uh, I played a Doran Siege Tower deck, and it was uh, it's basically Abzan splashing blue. I got like Bank Charm in my deck and Metally Mage in my sideboard and stuff. And, um, yeah, I, I, um, I remember like tournament, I think started like at noon or something or like 1 p.m. or whatever. It wasn't until some point, you know, late at night, like maybe midnight or 11 p.m. or something. I finally won and I just kind of jumped off my chair and just kind of like laid down on the ground, just like, you know, heart racing. Like, couldn't believe it really. Wow. Like my entire like Magic Online screen was like popping up with like people messaging me. Up to that point, like I had been trying for a really long time to qualify because I like 04 was when I first played in my first Grand Prix, my first qualifier, etc. And it wasn't until the beginning of 2010 that I got my first invite. So and I had some close calls before, but, you know, this is the first time that I actually got there. So it was definitely a pretty great feeling to, to finally get that invite after trying for as long as I had. Ever since 2004, when you saw uh, Worlds 2004, and you were like, I'm going to get there. Very recently in Pro Tour Amonkhet, you had a really emotional on-the-floor <laughs> interview with uh, Brian David Marshall. Can you tell us about that? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Pro Tour Amonkhet was the first Pro Tour I top-aided. And um, honestly, it was you know reminiscent of the time that I that I first qualified. Uh-huh. I definitely wasn't as emotional. Like I didn't cry when I won my first PTQ, but uh when I when I got when I got my first Pro Tour top eight, you know, it was kind of just uh overwhelming as it sunk in just because of how long that I've been on the Pro Tour and I've been competing trying to, you know, cause I, like that's the thing like, you know, stressing results, right? Like, you know, we we, we want the things that we don't have and when we when we don't when we don't achieve those things, it can be difficult sometimes. But yeah, like just, you know, all the 
all the games, all the tournaments, you know, that like leading up to then, it's just like been tr- having been trying for so long. It just uh, definitely like uh, my emotions got the best of me. And, you know, having my teammates there as well, like cheering me on and, you know, having BDM interview me like BDM was, you know, definitely one of the people who kind of like like he was one of the people I met early on. In my in my competitive years, like PTQ and stuff, because he he used to own the store that that I went to when I was a kid. That's right, Neutral Ground. Yeah, Neutral Ground. He yeah he didn't he didn't. By the time that I started playing, he didn't he didn't own it anymore. But he was always there. He was always drafting. You know, I had me like join drafts and with the other guys, and I'm like kind of like get better at limited and things like that. So it's like he's 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 basically seen me from day one. Wow. You know, also like having him there, like being the one to interview me and, you know, he knows, he knows like how long, how long it took me to get to that point. So (laughs) it was definitely like one of the better moments in my life for sure. everyone. Thanks for joining me on Kitchen Table Magic. I'm your host, Sam Tang. And today I am here with the dreamy Paolo Vitor Rosa. Paolo, how are you doing? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Thank you so much for being here today. And you are joining us from Brazil. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. I love the wonders of Skype. Paolo, I want to talk to you more about your life as well as kind of Brazilian culture and Brazilian food. Also, you as a magic player. And like all things, we start at the beginning. So, Paolo, where did you grow up and how did you find magic? Uh, well, I grew up in Porto Alegre, which is the same place I, I, I live in. I found magic by reading it, reading about it in a magazine. Uh, There's a magazine about Sensei. Sensei is an anime. I don't know if you watched that in the US or not, but it was very popular when I was a kid here. And I was reading a magazine about that, and there was an advertising for uh, the magic game. Then I thought, well, I like card games. I like, you know, dragons and magic. And whenever I was eight years old at that point, so like, I'm probably going to like this game. So I, I talked to my mom about it, and she called the magazine. She found out where I could buy the game in my city. And then we just went there, you know, me, my mom, and a friend of mine, and we each bought a starter deck, my friend and I, and, and a booster. And then we just played. And I eventually, some other friends from school also started playing, and we played with them. Then at some point, they all quit. They all stopped playing, but I never stopped. I started going to the store and kept on playing. That's amazing. What were those uh, first sets that you were playing? It was a fourth edition starter and a Homeland spec. That's so cool. Were, um, were they in English or Portuguese? They were in Portuguese. Wow. Yeah, everything was in Portuguese. Like the instructions manual was in Portuguese. That is so cool. And so you played with your friends. And um, eventually, how did you get better? Because I mean, looking at where you are today and how you got started, I mean, not everyone ends up to where you end up, but a lot of people start in kind of the same places where you started, Paolo. There were a lot of stages, I think. I think the first stage was probably when I started going to the store as opposed to just playing with my friends in school. Because when I played in school, we just didn't really know how the rules worked. Like, we were we were not really playing magic we we're just playing again though similar to magic but like it's just our understanding as eight and nine year olds just wasn't very deep then i started going to the store and i learned that you know i learned the actual rules i learned that there were tournaments that could compete in i went to some of those tournaments so that was probably the first leap uh the second leap that i had was probably when i started playing online so there was an online league it was called magic league uh we, we used to play on apprentice and then they just had online competitions and i could talk to people all over the world they would talk to me about decks that did well in the us for example and that gave me the chance to play you know all day if i wanted to which you can you can't do in person unless you have someone playing with you and in that league i could do that 
So that was probably the second leap that I had. And the third one was probably having a real life team. So when I started traveling to events, I met the US players in events and some players from Europe and Japan. And we started forming teams to practice for a tournament. And that's how I feel like I got to the level that I am now, practicing with those better players. That's amazing. Paulo, who were some of those people early on in your career that really influenced you? Oh, there were a lot. I think uh, for, for Magic specifically, like the the first person that was the biggest influence uh, was Rafael. He's the, he was the son of the store owner. And he's now a TO. He just did Grand Prix Sao Paulo. So he's, he's a TO right now. He used to be a high-level judge. He would basically take care of me. He was like my older brother when we went to trips because I was so young and someone had to do that. And he would do that. He's a bit older than me. So he helped me a lot in that regard. Uh, when I started traveling internationally, I think uh, Vili Edel was probably the person to help me the most. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, he already knew all the logistics things. And I had never really traveled much. And he had traveled a lot. And so he was super helpful. And he was part of my first team. Like my first team was just the Brazilians. Mm-hmm. So I, he was one of the people I started tasking with. Uh, when we went to Pro Tours and stuff. And that time, that probably Luis, uh, Scott Vargas, you know, who started Chain of Fireball. I, I was part of it when it started. Uh, and then, like, Luis invited me from the team. And that was probably the first time we really organized a team that wasn't just Brazilian with me. So it was, yeah, it was my first step into, you know, international professional testing, I guess, was because of Luis. Paulo, can you share some of your more memorable experiences playing Magic either at the local level or professionally on the Pro Tour? I mean, I guess the most memorable experiences are always just tied to how I did in the tournament, I think, at least for the tournament. So like when we, the first time that I taught it at a PT, it was PT Charleston, mm-hmm. and it was a team's Pro Tour, it was team constructed. I think it was the only team's constructed Pro Tour we ever had. And it was just very overwhelming experience because not only did I do like very, very well in this thing, but also two of my friends did very well with me. Mm-hmm. So we, we, you know, we were all there, we could share it. And it was like kind of putting ourselves on the map in that tournament. So it was a really important tournament for that. Uh, after that, there is, you know, the, the first worlds that I top aided later on that year with the whole Dragon Storm, Makihiro Mihara thing where he, he made a mistake. Then I thought I was going to win. Then he drew the exact card he needed and I lost. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That was also, uh, you know, a, a, an overwhelming experience. It also helped me put myself on the map and, and establish that I could actually play at a high level like that. Uh, when I won the PT, uh, San Juan, that was, you know, sort of like the pinnacle. It was like, okay, there's nowhere else to go after that. You uh-huh. know, this is this is it. I won the, the biggest thing. I'm actually capable of doing that. Uh, when I got into the Hall of Fame in Seattle, uh, because it's like a, a lifetime achievement award, it's something that I'm going to take with me for my entire life. Right. So it kind of like immortalizes all that I've done in Magic. And then winning this last PT and, and being player of the year, which is something that I, I wasn't even considering. But once I got it, I, I was very happy about it. Paulo, I mean, your stats are absolutely incredible. And you've basically done everything on the pro player bucket list. <laughs> I mean, you're in the Hall of Fame. You uh, have the second most top eights. You've got a whole bunch of pro tour wins. What are your goals right now moving forward as a pro player? I want to be world champion. Uh, that has been my goal for... I mean, I have two goals. Uh, realistically, the goal is to be able to continue playing Magic for a living, which usually means being platinum or at the very least gold, which is the point where I just start paying for your plane tickets. You don't have to spend as much money. And like platinum has guaranteed income. So that is the main goal. But like the goal goal is being uh, world champion. Because I think of all the Magic titles is the one that's easiest to relate to outside of Magic. Like Because if I tell people that I want a Pro Tour, that I top eight at a Pro Tour, that doesn't mean much if I tell my classmates, you know, my my uncle, they don't fully understand what it means. 
Like they don't, they don't know how good I am if I did those things. But if you tell someone that you're a world champion, it doesn't matter the background, it doesn't matter anything. They'll know what it means. They'll know that of everyone in the world, you did the best. Like you, you won the world championship. It's something that you know everyone can relate to, and so few people have around the world. Like who's a world champion? What percentage of the population is the best in the world at anything? Like it's such a small percent, and it's a talent I really want for myself to be able to tell other people who are not necessarily magic players when they ask, you know, how are you doing? The tournament i'm like i'm the world champion and i think that has a lot of meaning has a lot of power and something that i've wanted to be able to say for a very long time and never could so that is my my main goal fascinating you know with your gajillion pro points what's next for you what's coming up on the horizon either personally or professionally well professionally i'm going i'm going to take about a month off then i'll go to gp providence which is at the end of september and then right after that there was worlds in boston so the, the most important tournament of the year is coming up. I plan on preparing a lot for that. Personally, I'm at a point in my life where I'm starting to become an adult, I guess. Uh, we're, <laughs> we're currently looking at houses to my girlfriend and I so that we can move in together. And we're looking at uh, wedding details. So it's... It's going to be a big change in my life and hopefully at some point in like two years, I'm going to have kids. Wow. I say I'm growing up, I guess, finally becoming an adult. Wow, that's fantastic. So, uh, I don't know, Paolo, are you announcing your engagement to your girlfriend on air right now? <laughs> or this is something <laughs> that you've talked about before? Or Oh no, we've definitely talked about it, but we know we'll get married. I hope you enjoyed my interviews with Jerry Thompson, Donald Smith Jr., Christian Calcano, and Paolo Vitor Rosa. Again, best of luck to all of them this weekend. If you'd like to hear more from another world champion 2016, listen to my interview with Brian Brown Doohan, Season 1, Episode 15. I'll have links in the show notes at kitchentablemagic.org. Thanks everyone for listening to special coverage of Worlds 2017. I want to thank all of my Patreon supporters, Brian, James L, Marcus, Alex, Trevor, Caitlin, Mark, Aaron M, Neil, James G, Aaron C, Jonathan, Corey, Chad, James E, Joe, Logan, Scott, The Magic Man Sam, Jesse, Ben, Nick, Eternal Dirtles, Matthias, and Charlie. Supporters at the $6 level or higher are getting signed cards from my guests. Equal treatment from Sheldon Mennery, Young Pyromancer from The Magic Man Sam, Fill Out Our Guardian from Dan Burdick, and Monz's Goblin Raiders from Dev of Strictly Better MTG. Listeners, if you'd like to get special gifts from my guests, become a supporter at patreon.com slash kitchen table magic. If you haven't heard already, I've created a new YouTube channel called Play MTG. It's an upbeat, fast-paced YouTube channel featuring deck techs from the pros, learn-to-play tutorials, level-up advice, card discussion, community news, and more. Just go to youtube.com slash C slash Play MTG. Follow the channel on Twitter at Play underscore MTG. It's also on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Play MTG, all one word. I'm looking forward to creating new content and I've got some collaborations and new videos in the works. Be sure to subscribe to Kitchen Table Magic on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Hipsters of the Coast, and MTGCast.com. 
follow the show on Twitter at KTM Podcast. The show is on Facebook.com slash Kitchen Table Magic Podcast. All of the show notes are at kitchentablemagic.org. If you're new to the show, there's plenty of past episodes to listen to, and please be sure to share KTM with a friend. This episode of Kitchen Table Magic was brought to you by Paragon City Games. The Kitchen Table Magic podcast has been all about the origins of the game and members of the community. And as a community, we've come a long way since the game first started. Apart from the kitchen table, the only other places in your local community to play Magic are at local game stores. And that's why places like Paragon City Games is so important for our community. At Paragon City Games, you'll find a spacious and clean showroom with lots of elbow room for Magic events. You'll find thoughtful accessories like die-hard metal dice and handcrafted wooden boxes. You'll find a huge supply of legacy, modern, and standard staples, sealed product, and tabletop games. It's places like Paragon City Games that allow local communities to gather in. And if you can't make it there in person, please be sure to watch their weekly stream at twitch.tv slash paragoncitygames. Remember to spread the love with a like on Facebook and a follow on Twitter for Paragon City Games. They also have great online reviews and that shows their commitment to excellent customer service for their player community. This episode of Kitchen Table Magic is brought to you by Card Kingdom. Cardkingdom.com is a great place to shop for Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, pre-constructed decks, and gaming accessories. They have a huge selection of singles, from the latest sets to an ever-flowing supply of modern and legacy staples. Card Kingdom also loves to buy Magic cards. They'll offer you cash or in-store credit for your Magic singles. And if you're new to Magic, you'll love playing any one of the 36 new pre-constructed battle decks built by Card Kingdom. Sign up for Card Kingdom's email newsletter to receive coupon codes and deck techs by Magic Pro Chris Van Meter. You'll get access to Card Kingdom's private reserve, which are special deals for chase rares at significantly discounted prices. Card Kingdom has so much to offer, so I hope you'll check them out. And if you'd like to support Kitchen Table Magic when shopping at Card Kingdom, please use our affiliate link. Just go to cardkingdom.com slash KTM. Coming up in the next episode of Kitchen Table Magic. You know, we had been marinating on the idea of doing gameplay for quite some time. Jimmy and I had, of course, discussed it sort of in theory or philosophy for ever since we started the podcast. You know, we were looking at a lot of the gameplay stuff that's out there and understanding the pitfalls of what, you know, everybody was falling into. And I think it's very easy to look at stuff and be like, that's boring or that's blah, blah, blah. Or that's... But I understand it's very hard to make magic understandable, relatable, etc. Exciting. So for a long time, just sort of pinpointing things we thought, you know, we could do or we'd say things like, you know, it'd be cool if this happened or, oh, if we could do this. And so we released a video. And at that time, we didn't even know it was called Game Nights. We called it Out of the Box. You'll be amazed how rudimentary it is. It's really the germ of the idea that Game Nights has become. And you can see that I'm specifically not good at a lot of the things or I haven't figured out a lot of the things that we come to figure out later. The card animations are, are not tight. The editing is actually it's just a different experience but even from that we were able to sort of tell that like oh people really like this it's it's a game changer i'm talking to the special effects wizard of the magic community josh lee kwai co-host of the command zone podcast and game nights 
Josh, along with Jimmy Wong, are transforming how the Magic community enjoys live gameplay footage with their revolutionary new show, Game Nights, on YouTube. Josh is a trailer editor, and you might have seen his work from Disney princess movies, The Fast and the Furious, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, and Star Wars. One day, Josh met Jimmy Wong on the set of Rocket Jump, and the rest is history. Josh and Jimmy discuss commander strategy every week on the Command Zone podcast, and they battle it out with multiplayer action on their video series Game Nights. Join me and one of the innovators of the Magic community, Josh Lee Kwai, all on the next episode of Kitchen Table Magic.